yeah, sorry, I haven't got the thing on this time. <sighs> As we wait for it to come alive. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Really? Okay, so I'm just reminded of the scripture where um, Jesus says um, to people, um, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. So basically, um, it means that you can hear something and not actually hear it, if that makes sense. So um, you can hear someone preach a really good sermon and say, wow, that was great. And at the end of the day, go home and turn the TV on, forget all about it, and it will not make the slightest bit of difference to you. Um, but yeah, but you can hear someone say something and it will be like a revelation to you. And, and that's the person that it will change. So if you hear something today, if this laptop ever wakes up, then <laughs> hopefully it falls on ears that can hear. So let's just pray. I'm going to pray. Oh, Father God, I pray, Lord, you give us, Lord, ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to, that can receive it, Lord. In Jesus' name, Father, may your word not go out void. May it come back. May it do what you, what you send it to do, Lord. May it make a difference. In Jesus' name. Okay, so I'm going to start with. I'm going to start with a little English lesson about compound words. So, oh no. Um, so uh, the compound word is uh, two words that are put together to make a new word, like snowball, railroad, superhero, notebook. Um, so if you take snowball apart, you've still got snow and you've still got ball. If you put it together, you know there's snow and ball in that word. You, it doesn't lose those meanings, but it becomes something like a different thing made up of those two things. But they still have those two elements. It's still made of snow and it's still a ball. So looking at the, the greatest compound word ever written is Jesus. Okay, Because Jesus in uh, Hebrew is a compound word. It's made up of two words. It's made up of the unpronounceable name of God and it's made up of um, another word that means to be open, wide, or free. And that word also carries the meaning uh, avenging, defending, a deliverer, help, preserve, rescue, be safe, bring salvation, saviour, and get victory, all in that one word. So you put the, that word and the unpronounceable word name of God together, and you get the name Jesus, Yeshua. Um, then, that's the greatest one ever. Okay, because, yeah, anyway, moving on. So then going to the next one um, that I'm going to be talking about really today is um, the word diabolos, or diablo um, in English, devil. And his name is a compound word. And it's quite interesting because his name is made up of um, a word for a cast net. And if you're a fisherman, you might know what that is. Um, and the other word, the beginning of his name, is made up of a word that means um, through, to find a, word, a way through. So basically, it, it, it's, it's a primary preposition and it, denoting the channel of an act. So it's the way in which he will find a way in. Okay, And then, when he finds a way in, he'll throw the cast net. Now, I can go into a lot of detail about this, but I feel like I'm going to waste a lot of time. So I'm just going to ask um, if you could show that first clip um, of the 22nd one of a cast net, just so you know what a cast net is.
Subscribe now. <laughs> so yeah, so the cast net, I love the fish at the end by the way, um, is like a round net and it's got weights on it. So when it, it goes down, it basically closes in on the fish. Um, and there is another, another. Let's, let's show the first part of the other video. Yeah, the, the first part of it, yeah. So part one. So this is a guy fishing using a fast net. He throws it in. And now you know what it's doing underneath. You saw what happened. And as he pulls it, um, it draws the weights together at the bottom. And any fish that are in there will stay in there. Notice some fish got away in the beginning because they realised what was going. There was something dodgy going on. watch it you'll see that um, once he's got the fish in there and the net is closed he can basically take those fish on and he'll start throwing them around on the floor pick it up again wash them off in the water put them back on the shore okay you can stop now I just told you what he's gonna do but yeah because it's wasting time but anyway yeah so he can basically manipulate those fish in any way that he wants and it's no, like, it's not a chance happening that the, this is the devil's name. Those two words make up what he's like, because that is exactly what he does to us. Um, and he uses certain things to do that. I mean, in Hebrews, it says, um, for he ensnares us, and he can skillfully, skillfully surround us. And he can, um, to, into the, to the point of, like, um, for example, thwarting a racer in every direction. So, um, so he can stop you from doing um, basically what God wants you to do. Once he's got you in his net, like that. 2 Corinthians says that um, not to let the devil take advantage of us. Um, 2 Timothy says that um, we, need, um, to, we need to escape the snare of the devil. Um, that some of them have been taken captive by him. And that word captive means to take alive um, by him, to do his will and not God's will. Um, but the good news is that as a believer, we have authority over the devil. Okay, So moving on from him to basically um, what the Lord did for us, when he died on the cross, he didn't just, he didn't just save us, he, um, he restored us. Um, he gave us back the authority that um, Adam and Eve had in the beginning. So basically now, Luke 10, 19 says, um, Behold, he says this to his, his disciples, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. So the only person 
Jesus is saying this to the 70, by the way. He's not saying it to the 12, because he sent out more people than the 12 disciples. He sent out another 70 and who knows how many else. But he says this to the 70, okay? Um, and basically, we, we give the enemy authority over us. He, he doesn't have any authority over us unless we allow him to have it. Um, he can use all kinds of things to do that. Um, normally, it's, it's a, a game in your mind, um, and he's playing with your thought life. Sometimes he can use um, things that happen to you as well. But um, Ephesians 4.27 says, uh, don't give place to the devil. Jesus himself said, um, just before they came to get him from the garden, he said, um, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Okay. So basically what Jesus was saying now, and he goes on to say, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as he gave me command, I do. So what he's saying is, I'm not going to get crucified because the devil found a weakness in me or a spot where he could catch me. That wasn't why Jesus got cru crucified. That's what he's saying there. But that's what the enemy does with us and with everyone else. He will try, and he tried it with Jesus. He tries to find a way in. He tried to find a way in with Jesus when he tempted him in the, in the desert, and he said, if you are the son of God. Basically, um, accusing him of being um, someone who is not, basically, is, is calling Jesus a liar. Like, I don't believe you're the Son of God, prove it. But of course, Jesus um, just answered him with a word. Um, so, some of the common ways in which the enemy can get a foothold are unforgiveness, emotional trauma, physical abuse. Um, mental strongholds, uh, repetitive sins that you can't get out of, um, unhealthy soul ties, idolatry and agendas, a religious spirit, um, occult activity. And one that isn't in this list that came to me earlier was that the offence is one of his favourite ones to do within the church. Um, because what will happen is um, he will get someone to say something or do something and you, you will just, oh my God, gosh, how could they say that? Well, I'm not going to go to that church no more. I was going to give that person a hundred pounds. I'm not going to give it now to bless them because I don't think they deserve it. They're not walking with the Lord as I think they should be. And you become so offended that God can't use you to bless anyone. Um, and it's awful. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in lots of places. Um, and it's quite sad, actually. But you need to recognize, this is what the Lord said to me to do this, um, share this message, because you need to know who your enemy is and what he's like. Um, and you will miss out on a blessing if you let offense come to you and, and, and move you on before the Lord tells you to move you on or not speak to someone because you really can't deal with that person because their attitude isn't what you think it should be. Um, then you're, he, you're, you're basically, you're in that net. You're doing the devil's bidding now. You're not doing God's will because God wants you to love everybody. Um, so, yeah. And he wants you to, to walk in forgiveness and not unforgiveness. And forgiveness, uh, real forgiveness, means that you give up the right to hurt someone back, that you do not hold it against them, just like God doesn't hold it against us when we do something wrong. 
And the other, the other place you will find that cast net word is in um, a word that you find in uh, Matthew 4, 18 to 19. Um, and it says, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, and he saw them casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Okay, so that word for net there is a cast net, and it has that valor word in it that you find in the devil's name. And basically, if you play um, the second part of that video, which is quite interesting about this net, it's a very interesting net for fishing. So now he's got them on there, on the ground. The fishermen can open the net and get the fish out. And the only way that fish is getting out is if the fisherman opens the net. It cannot possibly get itself out. It's impossible. Okay, you can stop that there. Thank you. So he, the, what the Lord said to me is, he calls them and he says to them, um, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now the call to be a fisher of men is not just for Peter and Andrew. It's not just for them, it's for all of us. Because he goes on to say, um, he calls his 12 disciples in Matthew 10, and he gives them power over all unclean spirits and to cast them out and to heal the, heal the sick um, and to heal all kinds of diseases. And then he says, and he commands them, Go and preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. And then he sends out the 70. And he says the same sort of thing to them. And at the end, if I can find it. There you go. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. He says... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, to observe all things that I have commanded you. So basically, all those things, that, that trampling on the serpents and the scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and um, healing the sick, um, uh, what, everything else that he commanded them to do goes for us who are being made disciples as well. Um, and the only thing that's going to stop us from, from doing this is if the devil can make you think that it's not for you. The only one that can stop you from, from receiving from the Lord is you. And if there are things that you want, that you desire, like gifts of healing, gifts of uh, words of prophecy and what have you, and you're struggling to get it, it's only because the enemy has made you think that you can't have it. He's, he, basically, it's a battle. It's a fight, and you need to fight for it. In Revelations 12, 17, it talks about um, the dragon and how he's enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commands of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is us, which is all the believers. So basically, we're in a war, and sometimes things don't come easily. Sometimes 
Um, I prayed for things like healing, and it didn't come in, in my first asking. I've asked and asked and asked until I got it. Um, I've battled for things, um, for jobs. Um, they didn't come easily. Some things just don't come easily, but you need to be persevere because love always perseveres. We need to come against the enemy and be absolutely adamant that God is going to do it. Um, I heard someone talking about the fivefold ministry and, and what it's for. And it was quite funny, actually, because I always thought, I thought of it in a different way. And the fivefold ministry is the apostles, like in Ephesians 4, it says um, that God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And they're the five things that will build a church up. But the, the, those people are not in the church so that they can be put on a pedestal and, and people just go, yeah, they're so great. No, the, those people are in the church to build the church up so they can be like that. So everyone can do it. So if there's a prophet in a church or an evangelist in a church, we're not supposed to big them up. We're supposed to learn from them and they teach us because it goes on to say for the equipping of the saints is to make up, make the whole church like that. So when we talk about the fivefold ministry, we're looking for, for stars, like, you know, who's going to be the evangelist? But that's not what it's about. The evangelist is going to make everyone an evangelist. The prophet is going to make everyone a prophet in the church. But if you sit in your chair and you think, it's not for me, that's not my calling then you're wrong because the Bible tells you otherwise. The Bible tells you that you're supposed to go out and heal the sick. You're supposed to go out and trample on the enemy. Jesus isn't doing it anymore. When Jesus died, when Jesus was alive, he said, my works have an end. In other words, I'm going to finish it and then you're going to take over. There are some things that are not, they're not, in our hands, like the times and the seasons. And there are other things that are in our hands, like trampling the works of the evil one. That's in our hands. We are to command it. We're not supposed to ask God to do it. God told us to do that. God gave us the baton for that. And when we pray and we say, God, please, can you um, get rid of this um, attack from the enemy? Yeah, okay, but he's, God is turning to you and saying, but I gave you the authority over him. Use it. Tell him to go away. You know, take charge. You're in charge, not the enemy. Um, moving on. There is um, the story of the fig tree and where Jesus withers the fig tree. Um, and the disciple notices it when they return past, and he says, wow, victory died. Oh, my gosh. And then Jesus says to him, um, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. 
Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you have received them and you will have them. Now, this is not the power of positive thinking because that's the world's way. Okay, that's where they take scripture and twist it. The enemy loves to twist it. This is not that. This is not the power of your thinking. This is your faith in God to do what he says he's going to do. So when you go um, to command the enemy, you have to believe that God has given you that authority. Otherwise, he's not going to pay attention to you. When the disciples were having problems casting a demon out and they couldn't do it, and then Jesus came along and said, where's your faith? And then he did it, no problem. They were having problems believing that, that that was what they could do. Other times they did it. That time they couldn't. I don't know why. I have no clue. But James, which I love the book of James, um, he says, um, when you ask for something, ask in faith. Initially he's talking about asking for wisdom. But then when he goes on, he says, um, ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Uh, for let a man, that's, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything. And that word is not one word together, anything. that is separate, anything. And he now is talking about anything. He's not talking about wisdom. Initially he's talking about wisdom. But when he talks about a man being tossed to and fro because he's double-minded, because he can't make his mind up whether God wants it or not, then he won't receive anything, nothing. It won't happen for you. You need to know, beyond a doubt, you need to have it in your heart, in your core being, that this is what God wants. Um, and the only way to know what God wants is to look at the life of Jesus and see what he did, because he said, I have manifested the Father to you. This is what the Father wants, basically. This is his heart for you. And everything that he did was um, what we should be doing. We should be like him. We should be like him in what we do, not our personalities. We're all different in that way. But what we do, the way we cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick, um, preach the good news. Everyone should be able to do that, everybody. If God said to you tomorrow, um, go and raise that person from the dead. He's never said it to me, by the way, but if he did, I would do it. But I would give it a go. Um, so, yeah, if he said that to you, how hard would that be for you? I'm, I'm thinking of myself as well. When I share this message, it talks to me just as much as anybody else. You know, if God said to me tomorrow, go and raise that person from the dead, I'd be mortified. But I shouldn't be, because that's what you're supposed to do. And then one day I said to God, I said to God, Lord, I love you. And then he said to me, if you love me, you would do what I ask you to do. And I thought, is that scripture? Is that God? Am I hearing God now? So I looked it up, and then I found all these scriptures. And one of them said, like John 14, said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 1 John 5, it says, um, 
By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And then the other one, John 14 says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Exodus 19, this is a great one. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. Be a special treasure when you listen to the Lord. And then it says uh, in 1 Samuel 15, to obey is better than sacrifice. Luke 8, my brothers and my mother are, are the ones who hear the word of God and do it, Jesus said. Luke 11, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now these commandments to do the things that are impossible, um, they're, they're the ones that I believe God is working on to make people aware of um, because it's really easy to go and say, I'll do the washing up. I'll give you a lift. Here's a hundred pounds. Here's the fiver. They're easy things to do. You can do those in the flesh. But what God wants, he wants the miraculous. He wants you to do the impossible. And the story of the talents tells you that. I don't know if you know the story of the talents where um, he gave one five talents, another man two talents, and this is a parable, by the way, um, and another one one talent. So they all went away, did what they did. Um, But the one who had uh, one talent, he went and dug it in the ground and hid, hid it, okay? So basically, the Lord comes back, and, he's, and he, he says to the one who had five, great, you doubled it, wonderful. Um, well done, good and faithful servant. He says to the second one, again, well done, good and faithful servant, because, again, he made increase. And then when he comes to the one who had one, this is the excuse that he gives. Oh, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. Okay, so basically what he's saying, and I thought about it, and I thought, hang on a minute, how can you reap when you haven't planted a seed? Go, everyone go home, grow me some carrots without seeds. You're not going to be able to do it, it's impossible. And I just thought, he's asked these people to do the impossible. He doesn't want you to just do what you can do in the flesh. He wants you to do the impossible. And everyone is asking for miracles, signs and wonders. But we have the living God living inside of us. And when we don't do what he tells us to do, when we don't accept the gifts that he, want us to, he wants us to give, to give us, like possibly the gift of tongues, um, the gift of uh, words of knowledge, uh, prophecy, all those things that you have to actually rely on God for to do the supernatural, you're quenching the spirit within you. God wants that to come out. He wants that to overflow out of us all. Um, and this, um, this t- parable of the talents just made me laugh. I just thought, and he says, uh, you knew, you knew that I reap where I haven't sown. And you knew that I gather where I didn't scatter seed. So why don't you just put it in the bank and, and make some interest on it? Because so, some people won't even move in it within the church, within their own, the bank. The bank represents the church. 
Some people won't even move in the miraculous and these things uh, of the spirit um, within the church. And so he's not happy with him. Okay, I won't read on, but he's not happy with him. You can read it when you go home. Um, I really truly believe that God wants to move in these things. He really does. And, and it's just us. It's us who are struggling. Oh, but you know what? I don't think I can do it. <laughs> Jesus never said that to anyone. He never said you can't do it. And, he, and God will never say to you, you can't do it. He'll always say you can. He'll always say, try it. Go for it. I'm with you. I, it's not you that does it. It's me, God says. You just have to be obedient. Oh, my gosh, be obedient. If you love me, be obedient. Be obedient. Do what I tell you to do, even though you know it's impossible. We have to try. We have to do it. The church, believe it, is waking up. I, many years ago, the Lord said to me, um, uh, I read the book. I read the book, God's Generals. And, um, and in it, it's all about the massive evangelists that used to do all these big miracles and stuff. And God said to me, there are going to be people like that all over the place. And that was years ago he said it to me. And then I started to see people like Todd White and all these other people teaching people to do it, teaching people to go out and do these things on the streets. Um, and I see it coming to pass. But at us here now, hearing this message... God is telling all of us, including me, okay, not just you, but me too, this is what he wants. This is what he wants us to do. Um, I think, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it there. I've missed loads out, but I didn't want to go on for very long because I really, I, I wanted, um, I talked for way too long last time, way too long. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to just, I shortened it a lot. And I just wanted us to just worship God and have extra time to worship God. And even I'm going to let Martin do this because I think like what we did um, when Chris was here um, and praying, all of us just pray in tongues and just be open to God. And if you really feel God saying to you, I want you to do this, I want you to try that. I want you to go here, I want you to go there. You know, he's constantly making me do things that I don't like doing, like this, for instance. I don't like doing this. But here I am doing it again. And I just think, I have to, I can't say no, because he's given me things to say. If I had nothing to say, I might say no, but he's given me a lot to say. <laughs> so, you know, if you feel God telling you to do something that's out of your comfort zone, get out of your comfort zone and do it. Amen.